0: and for me natural horsemanship like i said is the natural way in which horses communicate so i taught myself by when i was a kid at that summer camp i would sneak away at 6 years old from the camp house with a pen and paper and sit in the middle of the field and watch the horses interact with each other and i would draw diagrams of their order and who was the who was the boss who was second in command who was third in command who is irrelevant? What happens when a new horse comes in?
1: Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. <laughs>
2: Magic, Karen.
1: Cowgirl Magic. Cow-girl this girl time. Magic, this time, yes. Say, say it ain't so. It is. They just launched their new Cowgirl Magic Rosewater Ultra Hydrating Cream. Oh. Yes. Nice. It's an age-defying moisturizer new to the Cowboy Magic line of products. Adds a cowgirl's touch. It rejuvenates hands, neck, and face with a mildly Aromatic silk infused cream designed just for a cowgirl like you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know me. Hey, it's that time of year when the hands, you know, take a beating. Yeah. All all the exposed skin tastes a beating. So, sure does. Absolutely fantastic product. I did a little bit of research. It is for everybody, it is for boys and girls. Yes, it is. But especially the cowgirls out there. So, fantastic product. Thank you so much, Cowboy Magic. And, Cowgirl. Cowgirl Magic. So uh, get on out there and check it out, everybody. Thanks a lot, Cowboy Magic. And if you enjoy the show, please support the people that support the show. And Cowboy Magic is super. Trish, has got, got us covered, and she can cover you. Trish is on with us to talk about equine mortality and medical coverages, which there's a lot of changes, Trish. So tell us what's going on in the industry right now, and how can you help people?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of changes going on the equine mortality medical coverage right now, and I just wanted to put the word out there that we don't have to be afraid. Changes are coming, but um, I can certainly take care of you know whatever you know whatever questions, concerns you know our, our ventures have. Um, right now, the biggest one is Great American is not offering any medical coverage to any renewals or new business. Uh, and the thing is with our vendors, they're the, one of the top three rated horses for, um, you know, for mortality. So it's a very unique breed of animal, very unique training. So we need to make sure that your policy is covered. Um, I have access to some of the top rated carriers right now. They are all offering full mortality, medical, surgical, any coverage is needed for our ventures. Don't worry about it. Just give me a call. i be more than happy to walk through your current policy and make sure that your renewal is covering your horse. Not a problem. Just hang, give me a call. I'm always available. 484 319 8923. Red and Goat
1: is doing out a wear separates for the first time with the launch of their bib overalls and jackets as well as some new colors in their schooling collection. Pre-orders are live now and will ship to customers October 1st. Go to redandgoatequestrian.com and and use MLE10 at checkout to save 10%. I am loving my new Monaco wedges by Fairfax and Favor.
2: Yes, I saw them on your Tootsies the other day. They are very, very cute.
1: And not only cute, but they're also very comfortable.
2: Yeah, so they have a couple of really cool details. As all Fairfax and Favor the shoes have, Karen, so what are some of the cute little details you'll find on these shoes?
1: So mine is the navy blue suede, and they have a navy blue tassel on the heel, in the very back, and they also have the Fairfax and Favor shield their logo embossed in the front.
2: Yeah, very, very well done. Very tasteful. But they definitely stand out. They're set apart from other wedges out there. They so sure there. are. The tassel is a signature of Fairfax and Favor. So, that and the shield. So, it's very cool that they incorporate them. And are they comfortable? How do they feel?
1: Very comfortable. I could wear them all day.
2: That's fantastic. And that's important for you. And so, how do people find out more?
1: They can go to fairfaxinfavor.com Cooler weather is just around the corner, so don't let your horse get caught in the cold.
2: Yeah, a turtleneck has your horse's clothing needs covered
1: here. They sure do.
2: Don't let your horse get caught out in the cold on that first cold night of the season. Now is the time to shop and purchase your fall and winter blankets, Karen. So how do people learn more?
1: So for sizing and temperature guidelines, you can go to turtleneck.biz.
2: Triple Crown Feed. Oh, yeah. Triple Crown, big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of of great products out there, Mm -hmm. premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there?
1: So, Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfree.com.
2: Triple Crown feedcom That's a little bit of a tongue twister It Triple is. Crown it feed.com. They have a great feed locator They have yes. a great feed com- comparison tool On their website I encourage everyone to get over there Check out Triple Crown Feed's website Check out the different products Check out what makes them so special And give them a shot, right Karen? Oh yeah Support the people to support the show I'm Karen And I'm Rob Karen, super excited for today's Major League Events in Podcast Oh yeah so we always love getting to know new people, mm-hmm. and we're, this is someone we've never actually met before. In no, we before. haven't. So we're very I mean, excited I... to welcome a three-star eventer, Chelsea Coleman. Welcome! To
0: the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So
2: Chelsea, yeah. uh, you know, hey, look, Karen, we're we're we are we we do not know everybody in the sport, not so we're everyone. we're fortunate. Our good <laughs> friends over at Redding Goat um also a sponsor or you know uh, uh chelsea's a, a um, ambassador. ambassador for those guys and they yeah. and they shared a story of you and you're you're in the um running for the miss stars and stripes Yeah, i
1: don't know if, i don't know if we call yes. a
2: pageant or what we oh, yeah, call what this, is this? <laughs> it's like an online thing but you're it's the, the I guess the preliminaries are just about to end and she's already knocking it out of the park. Of course, an eventer is is winning the whole thing. So of course. <laughs> um it's like a voting type of thing. So we're gonna learn all about that. You could tell us all about that. And I'm I'm sure you're making it to the next level. So by the time this comes out, the competition might who knows where the phase we're gonna be in. But I'm very curious about hearing about this. So can you tell us a little bit about the the Miss Stars and Stripes? Yeah, so it's
0: a competition that is basically Based around the idea of helping local people in your agriculture. So, the reason why I signed up for this is because when I was in high school, I was really involved in the FFA, which is, stands for Future Farmers of America, and that's basically an organization very similar to 4-H, where you know through middle school, high school, college, and on, um, young individuals can get together and it's everything agriculture from crops to pigs, goats, sheep, livestock, horses, cows, everything. And they have a really cool system where they set things up and you know, we have president, vice president, all that. We have giant meetings and, and it really teaches you how to one, speak in front of people to understand how order works in a setup like that. Um, you know, kind of like a committee organization set up. And it really helps pave the way for a lot of people involved in agriculture to get where they're going. So obviously, I do horses, which isn't technically agriculture, but I won quite a few awards. I've won outstanding farm production at the age of 16. Basically, we had uh, the people who ran the organization come out and Take notes of every. They followed me for a day and took notes of everything I did um, at the farm and, and what my plans were, what my finances were, and and based off that, I was able to to win that award, which was awesome. So I saw this competition, and it was basically anybody who does anything with animals can really sign up. But um, I read the the bio on it, and they talked about wanting to help people. In the agriculture world, and and they're giving out their prize is twenty five thousand dollars, and um, which can help anybody. But uh, they want to support people in the agricultural world. And there's rodeo queens in this competition. There's cowgirls. There's farmers. There's uh, you know cattle farmers, tobacco farmers. Uh, there's a ton of different people, which I thought was super cool. You know, you can have people at an entry level. Of agriculture or like the full blown shebang, um, so yeah, that's I saw that it was a cool opportunity. You can buy votes, and if you buy votes, uh, the money goes to the American Royal, which is basically a foundation that gives grants out to kids. Uh, similarly to you know what happened with me in the FFA, um, you can apply for grants and and all that kind of stuff to help you know your your operation and help you get where you need to go. Um, And so any vote that is donated, uh, you know, if anyone buys a vote, it goes straight to that and helps to give um, grants to children and and things like that who want to be involved in agriculture. So I saw it as a good opportunity to help others and also potentially help myself and my business. So I took it. So fingers crossed. Uh, I think the competition ends in October, October 4th, I believe. So we got a little while.
3: Oh, there
2: we go. Okay. Well, you're I awesome. mean, you're you're we're we're moments away from this thing closing, or maybe an hour away from this first round here, or this round closing. So okay. yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure you're going on to the next round. You so have to. we'll share that towards the end of the interview, <laughs> yes. how people follow you and, and where they'll find out. Thank you very but much. it's called the Miss Stars and Stripes, so you'll be able to even Google that if you're mm-hmm. if you want to jump to the, you know, if you if you're too impatient to go. So uh we always like to know where you're coming to us from. So could you tell us where you're at right now? Like we have no idea what city, what state.
0: (laughs) I know nothing. nothing. So I am in Versailles, Kentucky. So that is where my parents farm. My parents own a 50 acre farm uh, in Versailles and my horses are boarded at a barn in Georgetown and Kentucky has been my home. I was born on a military base in North Carolina and my dad got, restationed to Kentucky when I was two. So that's where we moved. And I've been lucky enough to be here ever since.
2: Wow. Awesome. So the 50 acre, is that a horse farm or is that like an agriculture farm?
0: Yeah, it's a horse farm for now. We do cut hay on it uh, depending on how many horses we have. But my dad was in the Marine Corps for 21 years and retired and then went back to work for the state department. So he is still over there. He's home about one month out of the year. And he's been doing that since I was born. So wow. um, we have the horses and they're kind of, my mom and I have a big problem with rescuing animals. <laughs> it's not really a problem, but all there's animals that need to be rescued everywhere. So anywhere we turn, something usually comes home with us. But wow. um, we, we've done a pretty good job rescuing a bunch of horses from slaughter. And, and people now know us if they've, Got a situation where their animals in life or death situations. They will call us, and they know that we'll we'll handle it. So that's kind of what the the fifty acre farm is. There's no arena. It's it's basic, but um, it's exactly what we need to save lives. So wow. we'll take it. Very
2: cool. We'll get more into that. Yeah, but we'll get more
1: into that. That's awesome. And he's a marine.
2: Yeah, and her dad's a marine. There you, yep, there you go.
1: there sure. you go. So. Chelsea, can you take us back and tell us how you got your start in riding and then into eventing?
0: Yes. So long, long, long time ago, um, I was five. I had a friend that was having a birthday party and they threw their birthday party at a local riding barn. Uh, So I went and I had, I don't even know that I even knew that horses were a thing i know that sounds crazy but when i look back on it every time somebody asks me um where it all started and i tell the story i think i don't remember even knowing that horses were a thing before i went to that birthday party i remember driving into the driveway of the birthday party i remember getting out of the car and locking eyes with the horse and going whoa i love that so i had my first experience there and then um With my dad being deployed a lot, my mom would go... uh, Sometimes when they come home, they'll come home on like... They have like 36 hours of of off time. And depending on where he was coming into, um, he wouldn't always have the time to make it, even on an airplane. And sometimes we didn't have the money for him to fly and visit. So my mom would either drive to him or figure out a way to go meet him for the 36 hours that he'd be home or stateside before he'd deploy again. So I spent quite a bit of time with babysitters that were family friends of ours. And I was spending the days in the summer with, uh, my school administrator, actually my, my elementary school, who was a good family friend of ours. And she said, you talk about that birthday party place a lot. Do you want to, do you want to go back there? And She said, I think they have a summer camp. So I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So she coordinated that with my mom and, and we went and, um, that's kind of where it all started. I ended up, um, going to camp there for years and years. And it, it wasn't necessary. It was kind of rough and tumble. It wasn't, it it was just a bunch of kids riding anything that was at the farm. Um, but that's where I developed my desire for horses with behavioral issues. Um, I won't try. I'll try not to go on a huge tangent, but this story is the reason why I connect so well with with horses. So I'll tell the short version. Uh, basically, I was uh, eight years old, and there was two horses on the farm. There was probably a hundred horses on that farm, but two of them were mare and foal. And when I say mare and foal, you probably think you know a six-year-old, seven-year-old mare and a you know a weanling baby. Well. This was a 27-year-old mare and a 20-year-old baby. Oh, they had my. never been separated. Oh wow. And their names were Sky and Star. And from the day I went to that farm, that those horses were always there and they nobody touched them, they weren't friendly. Uh, apparently the guy that owned them just had them and and was out of state. So he just paid his board and the horses just stand, you know, would stand outside and that was it. Well, I was eight, so again, my first time being on that farm was five. When I turned eight, you know, I was still riding. I became one of the riders there and whatnot, and helped take care of the horses. And I went out to the field, and one of the horses was missing, and it was Sky, who was the mother. And I said, "Oh, where's Sky?" And the trainer said, "Oh, uh, she left." And I was like, "Oh, well, she must have gotten sick, and they took her to the clinic." But I. For three days, I'd go out there and, and Star, her baby, or Sky, her baby, was at the gate. And she's not friendly, so I thought, that's strange. Well, on the third day, she kept putting herself in front of me and like pinning her ears. And I'd go to try and touch her, and she'd turn away and trot off and then stop and look at me. And I was like, "What? what is up with this thing? And so after about an hour of me, you know, what the heck's going on, uh, I went to go leave and she turned around and, and ran up behind me. And I was like, I don't know if she wants me to follow her or what. So I, I did, I followed her and she led me back to a tree line. And I was like, this is strange. And I stood there for a minute and she was just staring at the tree line. And I went to walk away and I heard this like knicker. And then I, I was like, oh, that's cute. She's talking to me. So I walked up and she let me pet her. And then I heard it again and it wasn't her. And I thought, what the heck is that? And she started pawing at the ground, which at eight years old, I knew what that was, but I didn't really know what that was. So I started looking on the ground where she was pawing because as an eight-year-old, I'm thinking, oh, she's trying to you know, get something on the ground. And I saw a clearing. And through that clearing, I could see a horse's head. And I looked and I rummaged through the brush and that old mare was on the other side of the brush, I guess a tree had fallen or someone had put her back there and she had no food or no water. I mean, she had grass, but she had no water. And so I sprinted and she was down. She couldn't get up. I sprinted as fast as I could to the barn. I called some people and they brought a tractor in and and they picked up the tree and cut the tree down. And we were able to get her up and get her water and, and she lived. Um, but in that moment I thought to myself, either that horse just asked me to help her or I'm crazy and just stumbled upon this. And when I, it's, and it's very deep thinking for an eight year old, but that's just kind of who I am. I thought to myself, can everybody communicate with horses like this or is this just me? And later on throughout my life, I mean, that's kind of been the way it was. I've, I have a knack for getting through to horses, but you know, I jokingly say tortured souls find their way to me, whether it be humans, dogs, you know, animals, whatever. But that was the point in time when I realized that I wanted to work with the horses that other people couldn't. And so from there, you know, I really jumped into it. At that point, I was like, yeah, this is fun. But from that point forward, something kicked into me. And I rode every horse I had the opportunity to ride. I got an award, that's called the Emergency Dismount Award. They printed hand wrote it and printed it or handmade it and gave it to me because I fell off every single day, twice a day for a week. I think I fell off ten times in seven days. And I would ride anything that anybody would put me on. So eventually I got my my first horse. My my first horse was actually an abuse case from that same farm, that same trainer. My horse, in particular, I witnessed her getting stabbed in the face with a pair of scissors. Her sister was was purchased by us. We literally, my parents knew nothing about horses. They literally bought them because I, as a you know nine year old child, came to them crying saying, "These horses are being beaten, and I had it on videotape. I recorded it because I knew no one would believe me. And me and a friend actually got it on videotape and presented it. And my parents were like, we have to get those horses out of there. So, excuse so we me, I have to, stop to- you.
2: I have to stop you for a second. Is this yeah. the same pony ride place?
0: Same pony oh. ride place.
2: And they would do camps and let little children be around. Yep. And meanwhile, they're abusing horses. Did you ever fi- I'm yeah. sorry before we go, but did you ever find out how this mare ended up on the other side and no one even went to look for it? Right? Like, did they. What's the. You don't just a horse doesn't go missing and you don't
0: right. look for it. Well, that, that's my political way of saying it. But what, what really happened is she, she thought she needed more space and the owner of the farm wouldn't let her. She wanted one horse to come in and she thought that that horse didn't deserve to live anymore. So she kicked her in the back. And that was an easy story to tell someone that the mayor just died. Cause she was old. Yeah. Um,
2: but so she just put this we, horse in, an, in in another field and figure, I'll just let it. just yep, That's eventually exactly just what she did.
0: uh Yep. And it's the same woman that I watched stick a pair of scissors through the top of my horse's face. Yeah, it's disgusting. And that's, that's, you know, another side to why I love to do what I do. Because, and if you unpack that even more, I know her now personally, and she had a very, very traumatic childhood. But, and, and that's kind of the the thing that people don't realize. And I, I tell kids that come to me and ask for advice about bullying and whatnot. Um, 99.9% of the time when somebody does something malicious like that, it's because something has been done to them that has had a profound, painful impact on them. And trauma does one of two things to people. It makes you want to protect people so that they never feel the pain that you felt, or it makes you want to inflict the exact pain onto others that you, that was inflicted on you. And unfortunately, Um, You see that a lot in horses and it's, it's sad. It really is sad. And that's, that's why horses go sour because they're designed to be fight or flight and they will pick flight every single time until you take that option away from them. And when a 1200 pound animal decides it wants to box with you, you will lose 100% of the time. So that's, you know, all of this is exactly how I, I got to where I am today because I've seen you know, human abuse on the highest level. I've seen child abuse on the highest level. I've seen animal abuse on the highest level. And the one main component is that something traumatic happened to the individual, whether it be the horse, a dog, an aggressive dog, a person. And it. it until you heal from that and let that go, you'll be that person for the rest of your life. And that's a choice. Unfortunately horses can't sit down like we are now and have that discussion. You know, they, they will tell you, I have a horse now that was, we'll say he was blacklisted by an Olympian. I won't say who, but um, he was bad. And he told the owner, you know, this horse is useless. Like you might as well shoot it. And, you know, I, I had long conversations with the owner and, and she said, look, I can't anymore. I've had him for years and it's dangerous um, I can't get through to him. I don't think he likes me. And if this doesn't work with you, we can put him down. Um, she didn't necessarily say that's what she was going to do, but she had been, my name was given to her by a couple people and said, hey, Chelsea's the one for this. And um, the same, I, the first month I had him, if I was looking him in the eyes and I blinked, he'd bust out of the cross ties. Every single time, if I was making eye contact with him and I blinked my eyes, he would bust out of the cross ties mm. and it's, you, d- you just don't realize how impactful your actions are. And to a horse, there's no words. Your actions are your words. So if you slam something on the ground cause you're angry or they watch you kick a dog or they watch you smack a horse, that all gets stored. And that is their lifeline. It is their job to survive by retaining that information. And that's, it's sad, but it's, and it's, it's hard because you do things sometimes, I can't tell you how many times I've thrown something on the barn floor and all of my horses have watched me do it. The difference is they know me on a very deep level. They know that I would never be unfair to them. It doesn't mean I don't hit them. It doesn't mean I don't punish them. It just means that I won't put them in a situation where they can look at me and go, that wasn't fair.
2: So back to the horse that was abused that you got. Yeah. So so, so her and
0: her sister were both uh, abused and and they were abused, not excusing it, but they were seven months old. Um, I was nine years old. They were seven months old and and they were weaned from their moms at the age of seven months, which is a little bit late. Um, And they were put right into a program where they taught kids. So these trainers in their head, you know, we can force them. We can beat them. We can tie them down. My my horse's sister who happened to be my dad's horse she was hogtied i mean flipped over and hogtied and i have never in my life met a horse with so much natural instinct to survive i mean that horse in every way possible would get herself out of a situation without hurting another person my horse was like screw it i will run through you run over you run on top of you you're gonna hurt me and i'm not gonna let that happen um which ironically enough, that was a little bit of my personality when I was a kid. I was a little bit bitter and kind of angry because my dad was gone and uh, life just wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I, I was never an, a mean person, but in my head I thought, man, this sucks. And I was a little sharp-tempered and whatnot. And so I find it funny that the horse I ended up picking, was exa- I mean, this thing was so rank, you couldn't feed it. Like You'd have to literally throw a bucket in the stall because she would come over the stall door with her teeth. At seven months old, she was already that angry. And then I started to realize she's that way for a reason. And then it got to the point where I was the only one that could do it. I mean, I was the only one that could drop food for the horse. And that was profound to me. That That meant something to me. It was a privilege. I earned the right for her to trust me, which nowadays, if you say that to a person you were to say, you haven't earned my right to speak to me, you would go, well, that's pretentious. That's rude. But that's how these animals operate. You know, they, they're herd bound. They always are in a group and there's order in every herd that you see. So uh, we, we got them, we rescued them. I, I'll, I would be lying to you if I told you it was no less than a year before we could safely lead those horses i mean they were so beaten down abused and mistreated they didn't care if you locked them in a stall and let them starve to death they would rather that than have to see a human space i mean horribly horribly mistreated and it had a very big effect on them and Believe it or not, I I still own that horse, both of those horses to this day as they're 18, 19 years old now. And I have never, I broke that horse myself and I've had her a whole life. I have never come off of her. I jumped my first four foot fence on her. I mean, when you go through that with somebody or something, that's why, you know, a lot of marriages survive off of going through really hardships and then coming out stronger on the other end. Um she's me in horse form. We have the exact same everything. And and I really learned what partnership was because of that horse. Wow. And she happens to be a Tennessee walking horse so she unfortunately um couldn't event. Uh well she could but she's gated. So yeah. she doesn't really gate but um she's a full-blooded Tennessee walking horse so we ended up buying a couple other horses then we leased a farm uh, then we got more horses of course because we like to rescue every horse I have with the exception of possibly one is a rescue um, so yeah we we bought a couple horses I got a pony and um, I did the jumpers with him hunter jumpers and he did pretty well and then we got a couple thoroughbreds and Someone said, hey, your little pony likes to jump, and I see you galloping around in the field all the time. Have you ever tried eventing? And I said, no. And so I entered a schooling show, and then I entered – I became a member of USEA, and um, not long after that, I got my four-star horse, Dante, and um, trained him up, and then that led me to where I am today.
2: Wow. So now – uh, that very, very interesting. Yeah, so This yeah. is definitely a different, different turn than most of our interviews. Yeah, go. definitely.
0: So,
2: I thank God for, for you saving these horses and and um, you know we forget, you know sometimes, uh, you know we're privileged that fortunate we don't have we've never really come across one of these abusive farms. Yeah, no, but I mean, thank it's it's, it's, a, it's a good reminder that they are out there, and it's sad to think mm-hmm. that we need mm-hmm. to keep our eyes open for these <clears throat> for these bad forms you know we you know it's it's easy to assume that everyone's seeing their horses for the right reason or but it's not but th- thank you for doing that so so tell us yeah. a little bit about your eventing how so so you got into eventing you got your four-star horse so you, uh you tell us a little bit about you know the the i think i said four i think i said you were a three-star rider so you're yeah. a four-star rider i apologize um that's okay uh so tell us a little bit you, you rode with kathy is that is that how you got into eventing
0: and so I started eventing before I met Kathy, but my horse, he, my main show horse, Dante, he, I got him as a three-year-old. He was uh, in, at Asbury College, he was supposed to be a police horse and he failed out of the academy twice <laughs> because he was just a naughty, naughty boy. And he, very anxious, um, at Asbury, they, they get PMU foals, which Short description of that, PMU stands for pregnant mare urine. They use pregnant urine from pregnant mares to make a drug called Premarin. Premarin is a drug given to women going through menopause. Um, they now make synthetics. So we always encourage women to not use um, products that have actual urine in it because the way it's extracted is not humane at all. Um But so the way that works is they get these mares pregnant. They're usually draft mares because the quantity of urine that they provide is much, much more. Um, So these mares get bred. And the way it used to be is they would be tied up 24-7 to a bag. And every time they'd pee, it'd get collected. Mm. They would have very little food, oftentimes no water, and they would get no turnout. Because when they're turned out, they run the risk of messing up their bag and they can't collect the urine. Um, why you, when you're collecting urine from an animal, why you wouldn't give it clean drinking water, I, that confuses me, but I don't know. That's just how they do it. Um, and the way it used to be back in the day was anytime, they, as soon as these babies were born, they'd be killed. Um, they'd be killed by either one that an old tactic they used to do is they'd snap their legs. Um, and then others, they just wouldn't even clean off their noses and they'd have placenta and they'd drown in their own Uh, placenta uh thank god that somebody some point in time wanted to buy one of these horses because they're half drafts um and so then the industry decided oh we can make money off of these useless foals then they started selling them so mine was actually purchased off of a picture um he was in canada that's where most of this is done because the regulations in canada are much lighter than they are in america uh with that kind of stuff so he was purchased him and I think 12 others were purchased out of pictures. I don't know what happened to the other babies that were not picked. Um, at that point in time, it's probably likely that they were either just sold to someone or you know potentially went to slaughter. I don't know. Um, but he was shipped over to America. Uh, in the police horse program, they have a weanling test, a yearling test, two-year-old test, three-year-old test. And then at three, they typically go to what they call a colloquium which is where it's basically an auction for police departments. They go to the horse park, they run through police obstacles. So they'll do a kid playing basketball and the horse has to walk through underneath the hoop. They'll tie him to a car and explode fireworks in the car and the horse has to stand tied. Uh, Crowd control, that kind of stuff. Um, So my horse failed the parade test multiple times, which was road work. It's exactly what it sounds like Is he had to pass his parade test, meaning... He had to be in a parade at two years old and three years old. Uh, he finally passed those uh, very by the hair on his chin and then went to the colloquium. And I think he failed at the first obstacle both times. They tried to do it with him. Um, so then he was sold to a fox hunter and he was returned very quickly. <laughs> the guy, I guess it said he had not fallen off a horse as many times in his life as he had of that horse. Um, and, I had girls that boarded at the farm my mom ran uh, that we leased that went to Asbury. And they said, Chelsea, we have a horse at Asbury that you would love. He's wild. (laughs) And I was like, oh, let's see him. (laughs) So I went and there was two identical horses. There was a brown one and a black one. Um, And we watched them both play in the ring. And they turned Dante out and he trotted like a five meter circle because he was afraid of his shadow. And then Maverick was the other one. He's same age, same crop. Uh, he trotted around the ring with a big floaty trot. Brave as all get out. And they said, which one do you like? And I said, I like the brown one. And they're like, yeah, we figured you would. <laughs> so uh, I went home and I was like, hey, mom, you know, there's these horses. And she said, I'm not buying you another horse. You have like 50. I said, okay. Which at that point, we had gotten all of our horses for free except for one because... uh We bought the two mares, but two, we bought the two mares and then we, we did buy our, my little show pony. But, um, so months went by. Then she picks me up from school on my 16th birthday and is crying. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what happened? She said, I tried to buy you that horse, but someone else bought it first. So we're going to go say goodbye to it. And I lost my mind. My poor mom. I was like, I'm not going, you can't make me. She's like, I literally can because you're 16 and you're in my car. We're driving to say goodbye. You have to say goodbye to him. So we pull up and he's got this big bow on him. And I'm like, this is just cruel. You're about to give him to his new owner and you're going to make me say goodbye to him with (laughs) a big bow? And she said, seriously? He's yours. It's your birthday. Like, could you not put two and two together? And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe I should have spent those last two hours in school thinking about Things like this, like it, I, I, it was so far out of my mind. There was no way they were going to get me that horse, and, and they did. They brought him around the corner, had the big bow on, and they said, "He's yours for my 16th birthday." So, started working with him. I originally wanted to do show jumping because that's all I had done um, competitively uh, with my pony, and he would have had better off, better luck being in a professional bowling league. I mean, he just went through every jump. If it was a pole on the ground, I swear he would kneel, pick it up, and run with it. I was like, that's not the objective here. So I tried cross country with him because the jumps wouldn't fall down. And I figured if he, you know, if he respected them a little bit more, he might pick his feet up. And he loved it. His bad behavior went away. He didn't, he wasn't anxious. He, it's like when he was galloping, he was being set free. He just, he loved it. So, started eventing with him, went through training level. And then when I decided I wanted to move up to preliminary, I Kathy actually watched me compete at AECs in Tyler, Texas. And she was like, this is bad. Your dressage is like really bad. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I've kind of just been doing this on my own. And she's like, well, when you get back to Kentucky, call me. I'll help you. So I, I did that. As soon as I got home, I went and I rode with Kathy. And she said, this is a mess, but we'll fix it. So she worked day in and day out tirelessly and and put every ounce of effort into me and my horse. And my favorite thing about Kathy Wieshoff is that it does not matter what you bring her. If you ask her to help you, she's going to help you. And she will do everything in her power to get you where you want to go. And she will not quit. And it doesn't matter. You can sit there and say, well, I know he's not exactly what the eventing world looks for and she'll tell you stop don't i don't want to hear it he's a horse he's got four legs just like all the others go to the job quit making excuses and so with that attitude she got me through preliminary took me to my first i didn't even know what a fei event was she's like you need to enter this and i said i don't know what that is so i'm pretty sure she entered me (laughs) because i had no idea um i did my first fei event and he got sixth I think. Um so from that point she said you need to we need to think about moving him up to intermediate so we did that he was amazing and I said I want to go to young riders and she said you realize this is your last opp- this is your only opportunity to do this like you're 21 and you're by a month you make the age requirements and I said yeah she said we have 6 months to make you good enough to compete at young riders and I said well if anybody can you can let's try it and so we did, and that's exactly what happened. And we went to Young Riders. I had an unfortunate Young Rider experience because my rein ended up breaking in the show jump round. I had to lean over. I leaned over, tied it back on, and we ended up getting a bronze medal. But we were in gold position. Mm. Um, but again, you know that speaks to the the partnership you know I have with my horse. And I got out of the ring. I was so devastated because I let my team down in my eyes. We were in the gold medal position. Area 8 had not been in that position in like 20 years. So we were stoked. We were the only young rider team. Every single one of us, it was me, Woods Boffman, and Mackenzie Reagan. And all of us had our horses from three years old. They had theirs off the track. And I had mine at three as a failed police horse. And we all trained our horses ourselves from scratch. And we were in a gold medal position. And then I went out there and my reins snapped right before right after a combination and instant instantly i was like i gotta fix it i leaned over tied it back on um i had a million time faults but went out he finished the course and i came out and they they were so thrilled and happy and i'll never forget wood said it to me years later i i still talked about how embarrassed i was and how sorry i was and he said you know it's it was a real honor to compete next to you and that drive is the same drive we bring to the table every day. And, and you showed that on a level that most people don't get an opportunity to show it. So do not ever apologize for that. That was epic, legendary, and I would pick you to be on a team 10 times over. And Woods and I have been friends over the years, but there's there's not many people out there that are as good a person as he is. Um, Definitely, definitely not a lot of people in this sport that are as kind and, and supportive as he is. So, and McKenzie is exactly the same. I mean, we've all supported each other through our careers. And, you know, anytime there's a low spot, we always reach out to each other. And um, so that happened and then came home, went to Fairhill, did the two-star there. Um, my horse is a cross-country machine. I mean, he, he was bottom three out of 75 after dressage and after cross country, he was 13th. I mean, he's... It doesn't get better than that on cross country. He's, he's 18 hands and he's every bit of percher on as he is thoroughbred. And the, the vet, the FEI vet pulled me aside after the jog, after cross country. And he said, you know, you have the soundest horse at this horse show. And I said, Yep he said, that horse looks better now than he did before dressage. Mm. And I said, that's, that's his, he eats, sleeps and breathes cross country. And then we, we ended up show jumping. I think he had one rail down. We ended up, I was a highest place young rider and he ended up 10th um, nationally, 11th internationally, which was huge for me, right? Yeah. Like I'm this kid that I'm, I pride myself on being the girl next door. I am average at best. In my daily life, walking to the grocery store, you would never, you would never think twice about me as a person, and and that's how I viewed myself. And so, being able to do something like that, and people say, Chelsea, what what's next? And people would call me for interviews, and they'd say, What are you going to do next? What's next? What's next? And I'm like, Listen, I'm just riding my horse. I don't, I don't know. I'm fixing the broken pieces on the side of you know when people bring the animals that are having struggles, and I was competing a couple other horses and. But like, this is just, I I never saw myself here. So this is, this is something we just take day by day. And I was fortunate enough to be able to take him advanced. And, uh, 2018, he was half qualified for Kentucky. We had one more show to qualify at, to be qualified for Kentucky. And he got EPM and it was very low. He went to Great Meadows, um, and stopped at the corner, which that corner eliminated 63% of the competition, but my horse doesn't stop. So I thought that was strange. Came back around the second time, he jumped it, but he over jumped it like feet to his ears. I mean, he was guessing and he only guessed because I represented and said, hey, we got to go to the other side. And he's like, all right. So I felt something was weird then, but we went home. Um, I retired on course. We went home, schooled some stuff. He was fine. Went to Millbrook later that month, uh, or a couple months later, and he jumped over jumped everything by like three feet. And my my guy is a classic good old boy. He's a belly scraper. He does exactly what he needs to do to get the job done. Not much more. Uh, he's very efficient, very effective. So when he when he ran through Millbrook, he he was really slow on his time because he spent so much time in the air. And he's everyone was like, "Wow, he's in great form. He looks phenomenal." And I said, "Something's not right." My horse doesn't jump like that. He's Something's bothering him. So I took him home. I called the vet. I said, I think something's wrong. They came out, did a full EPM, like neurological panel. uh, And they said, I don't even think it's worth drawing blood. He passes every test with flying colors. So I took him down to the pool and he he went under. And my horse was a fish in his previous life. He loves to swim. And I called her and I said, listen, you're going to come draw blood here at the pool now or I'm going to call somebody else. And she's like, okay. So she drew blood. Two weeks later, calls me. She said, I don't know what kind of voodoo crap you have going on at your farm, but your horse has EPM. She said, his number is so low. In the 20 years I've been a vet, we have never purposefully detected a number that low. Like that's not detectable. She said, we have accidentally stumbled on a number that's like 30 points higher than this. And that's just because some people run EPM panels when they buy horses. She said, I don't know how you knew something was wrong with him, but you were right. And so we treated him with marquee. Of course, as the story goes, he was resistant to marquee. So we treated him for two months on marquee, and his numbers tripled. He got worse. She said, I can't believe this happened. This is like one in a million chance. So we switched him to another med, um, and it ended up working. But, um, and it, and, that was kind of the downfall of of my show career with him. You know, I, I gave him a lot of time off because mentally in my head, I was beating myself up because I knew something didn't feel right in Virginia and I ignored it. And then I felt like something wasn't right in New York and I ignored it. And then I didn't put my foot down quick enough. So I, I carried that burden on myself, which is just, you know, a little immaturity. In my brain, because I had never had to make a plan B. This horse, everything I scheduled and put on the roster, we—that's what we did. I mean, Cinderella story. He, he him, and I were. I mean, it—it it was just a straight shot to the top, and we were recognized on a national and international level, and people knew who we are were, and we were finishing in the top ten at pretty much every competition we went to at the advanced level, and I. What happened to me is what happens to equestrians all over the world. You get sidelined because something bad happened, but that had never happened to me before. So I kind of shut down mentally and I gave him a couple years, you know, competing here and there. And, um, 2019, I decided, you know what, I'm going to show him again. And he pretty much won every event he went to and got up to the intermediate level again, went to ACs in the stall at the all tech arena at AECs. Double barrel kicked the wall and broke his foot.
3: Oh.
0: And I I saw him kick the wall. He did it all night. Didn't think anything of it. Ran him. He ran fine because he's a he's a champion. That's what he does. He will he will cover up issues always at a horse show. Um, so you have to pay, you know, really close attention. But I had him scheduled to go run a four star like a month and a half after AEC's and and the bet came out to just do radiographs and it was an accidental finding actually. She said, Chelsea, he's got a bad wing fracture on his hind leg. And I was like, on his hind foot. And I said, Man, what's the what's the damage? And she said, Well it's a thirty day rest and he'll be good to go. But it was just close enough to where I it wasn't gonna be fair to do that to him. So but he's He's in good shape now. He's in top form. Uh, he can't compete when the ground's hard like it is here in Kentucky. So he usually doesn't compete in the summer. That's pretty normal. But he's he's running around. I'll I'll take him back out intermediate, and then I'll move him back up to advanced if all goes well. But I I jokingly say I've tried to retire him for years, and he just will not have it. How old is he? So now? he's only fifteen. He's fifteen. So he's he's got plenty of life left. He just he's a big old guy.
2: That's crazy. Awesome. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Very cool. Well, so you had mentioned that you you do a lot of work with the, you know, the troubled animals and stuff like that. And uh, so can you take us through, like, what is your current business? What do you do, uh, you know, besides your competition side? What else do you do there?
0: So my business is called Dauntless Performance Horses, and it's a, just like any other competition barn. I mean, I take horses and, and show them for people and training for people and sell them for people and train people on their horses and, um, all of that stuff. But on top of that, I start colts, um, or start young horses and take horses with behavioral issues. So the behavioral issues thing can range from, I have people send me horses all the time that won't load in a trailer. Um, so we'll work on that to ground manners, to if a horse is stopping at a ditch or bucking you off or flipping over or whatever, um, we address all of those. And my program is a very, um, involved program. So anytime I get a horse in, uh, we, we break, we dissect every piece. What does their nutrition look like? What is their... Pasture turnout life look like. What is their social life like? You know, who do they interact with as individuals? What are their herd mates like? Um, what's their barn environment like? What is your relationship with them? What is your trainer's relationship with them? Um, that kind of stuff. And so we we pick things apart piece by piece and put them back together. And I love it because it's kind of like watching a movie and something completely unexpected happens and everybody's jaw drops and goes, Oh my gosh, I would have never guessed that. And that's oftentimes what happens uh, with, with me. Uh, I've trainers send me their horses for an owner and say, look, I don't know what to do with this. I I can't get through this part. Can you fix it? And then send it back to me. And I'll do that. I love, um, I don't get a ton of opportunities to do this, but I love fixing horses records. So Um, I've had a couple horses that have been deemed nappy or stoppers. Um, and you can't always fix that because a lot of the time that, that falls back on the rider at some point. But for the most part, um, I can, I can fix those things and address those issues. And usually I'm, I'm pretty effective at relaying the message so that the rider can pick up where I left off. Very
3: cool. Hmm. Wow.
2: Very cool. You had mentioned a little bit before the show today, like sometimes you'll take some horses and this is the last stop before they get sold off to, you know, some auction for who knows what. So you take us through a little bit of that side of your business?
0: Yeah. So, um, those typically those horses are ones that are pretty severely aggressive on the ground. Um, I've had three horses in my program that have killed people. Um, the main, One that sticks out to me the most is one that, um, they brought him here. Of course, anytime anyone sends you an aggressive horse, they give you almost too much information, which is just them trying to protect you. You know, they, they kind of almost feel like they're about to shut the door and put you in a car knowing that a fiery car crash is about to happen. Um, So they give you a lot of information. And and the information I was given on this horse was he outright killed somebody by breaking their back. He flipped over on them. Another person uh, he put into a coma. Mm. They were leading him out to the paddock, and he grabbed him by the back of the neck, pulled him underneath him, and stomped him. And then the last person he had, he, he got three people. The last person he had was a cowboy that took him out in the field and said, I'm just going to buck this horse out because he was a chronic bucker, like bad bucker. Um, so I guess the cowboy got big spurs on, went out into the field in a Western saddle and kicked the snot out of this horse. And, and that horse did the typical bronc, uh, dropped his, his head and neck in between his legs, hollowed his shoulders out, came over top, the horse just basically, she saw it, the owner saw it from the barn. I mean, he just tap danced on top of this guy's body. I mean, mm. he was mad, went down on his knees, like you see in the wild, grabbed him by the, by the teeth, went and grabbed him and was ripping on him like a, a dog in a dog fight. And he ended up being in a coma for, I think, nine months, and then mm. ended up, they pulled the plug. Oh my but they, they sent me that horse, and 25 people came out to watch me ride that horse for the first time. And one of the people happened to be a friend of mine, and she busted out in the tears and she said, Please tell me you're not the one that's going to do this. And I said, What do you mean? She said, Chelsea, this horse has killed people. And I said, I know. She said, You can't. Please don't. You can't. And I said, It's my job. He needs me to do this because otherwise he's going to get euthanized. And she's, gave me the spiel about how euthanite, euthanasia is humane and what he was about to do to me was not humane and yada yada. And, um, so we have a, a tree house at my parents' farm it's a really nice tree house. It's got running water, electricity, and it was here when we got here. Um, so they went up on the deck and, and they watched me from a bird's eye view in the round pen. And I just took a deep breath, swung a leg over him and I tell you, I had that horse for three months. He never bucked once, never reared once, never flicked his ear backwards once, never pinned his ears at me, never, never did anything. And I got done and there was this roar of applause. And the owner was like, what did you do? How did you do that? And I said, I didn't do anything. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, I didn't do anything. When, when you convince this horse that he's a caged bear that's what he's going to be and when you bring that energy to the table that's exactly what he's going to give back and you've told the cowboys and you've told the other people that he's this man eater and so they get on and before the horse has one second of a chance to explain who he is they tell him who he is and then they punish him for it i said you you've backed him into a corner and he's a fighter that's just his personality and so. She said, I never thought about it like that. And, and you've got to be careful in this line of work not to make people feel bad because they don't realize that they're doing this to the animals most of the time. Um, and if you have a horse that's killed somebody, you don't send it to a trainer and not tell them that. That's wrong. But you know, I just have a God-given gift of I can literally make my mind go blank. And when I get on these horses, I, I think I, I hit the reset button and it's just nothing. It's a blank page and I literally say to them before I get on, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to tell me who you are and I promise you I'll listen. And I, I give them their time. And if they give me, you know, some sort of resistance or they fight back, I'll respond accordingly, but it's never that first ride is just an introduction. It is them to have the ability to explain to me who they are and I listen. I Retain the information, and then the next day we go from there. And for that particular horse, that's exactly what he needed. And they still own that horse, and the kids ride that horse in an open paddock. I'm pretty sure she sent me a picture of all the kids, like four kids at once riding this horse bareback. And, you know, he just needed someone to show him that people are not dangerous. And that is exactly what he needed to live the life that he's living now, which is a great one. I mean, he's spoiled to death. He loves his owners and he just needed me to shut up and listen. Wow. How hmm. about that? Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Do you,
2: Are you, are you, so this is all like your, your connection with horses is really a natural thing. You don't, you didn't learn natural horsemanship or anything. You just kind of, this is, you're just a natural horse whisperer or what's the deal?
0: Yeah. I mean, so, the way I describe natural horsemanship is the natural way in which horses communicate to each other. I don't necessarily believe in all the Pirelli stuff. I mean, I think anything is fine in moderation, but I think it, you have to at some point understand that there's a line in the sand that is drawn between we're here to teach people and now we can make money entertaining people. And The natural horsemanship, all that kind of stuff is very entertaining for people to watch, right? It's this, oh, anybody can tame this wild beast with this one method. And for me, natural horsemanship, like I said, is the natural way in which horses communicate. So I taught myself by when I was a kid at that summer camp, I would sneak away at six years old from the camp house with a pen and paper and sit in the middle of the field and watch the horses interact with each other. And I would draw diagrams of their order and who was the, who was the boss, who was second in command, who was third in command, who was irrelevant. What happens when a new horse comes in? Does the bottom of the totem pole get replaced when a new horse comes in and that horse moves up a level or do they fight for a spot and then they reshuffle? Um, So I had the natural desire to learn. Um, and I mean, you, I guess you could call it a gift or whatever people want to say, but I had just pay a lot of attention. I love everything that is psychology, even with people. My friends hate it because I'll sit down at lunch with them and they won't even say a word. And I'm like, what's bothering you today? I can tell something's off. And they're like, Chelsea, can you please not psychoanalyze me right now? <laughs> But I'm also known in my friend group as the therapist. So um, I just really like connecting actions to words and current actions to future actions and how everything has an effect. And with horses, that's exactly how it works and on a very basic level. Um, So that's just something that I, you know, you can say I was born with it or I picked it up naturally, Um, but I love it. That's my, my favorite thing about what I do is being able to, to learn each horse as an individual and and grow with them and help them grow and and help people see their potential. Because I was a kid that nobody believed in for a very long time, and all it took was me showing up anyway and putting in hard work when people told me it wasn't worth it because I wasn't going to be anything. You know, I didn't fight back and rebel and say I'm going to show you. I just said your opinion's yours and mine is mine and. I, I'm not bothering you by showing up and paying the same entry fee that you pay, so just don't mind me i'll I'll be over here and you can pretend I don't exist and i I stuck it out and worked through it and was able to succeed. Wow, very
2: cool, yeah,
1: wow uh so Chelsea, you know the show we are gonna play mm-hmm. quickfire questions now. And Perfect. quick quick fire questions is brought to you by our friends at Red and Goat Equestrian and get your insulated jumpsuit by going to redandgoatequestrian.com. Hello. So, all right. So, you know the deal, five questions. You don't have to be quick, but we will grade you at the end. Perfect. All right. So first question is favorite rider growing up. Oh,
0: my favorite rider growing up. I think I have to say Karen O'Connor just her and and Teddy O'Connor were an iconic pair and David also, you know, you see them as we touched on before my relationship with horses, they have a very similar relationship. You know, they, they'd hop on their horses in a halter and lead rope and, you know, jump them around big, big show jump fences in front of everybody. And, um, they love their horses. And it was very obvious for me at a very young age that, um, they were doing what I was doing just at a big scale.
2: Yeah. Good answer. Yeah.
1: Very good answer. All right. Uh, What is your one favorite thing about the sport of eventing?
0: My one favorite thing. I think it's that. The toughest part. Of eventing for most people being the cross country is the one phase that you can if you work hard enough you will be good at it and the dressage is up to someone's opinion the show jumping there's a lot of variables there but on the cross country if you can build a partnership with your horse uh, that's good and solid and they're willing to show up for you and you're willing to show up for them you'll make it through the finish flags and Obviously, in any in any sport, anything can happen, and and sometimes things happen that you don't plan for. But if you can if you can learn the art of cross country properly, it doesn't matter if you're on a million dollar horse or a five dollar horse, you can win.
2: Mm-hmm. There we go. Good answer.
1: Yeah, very good answer. All right. Favorite event to
0: compete at. My favorite event to compete at. Um. I will have to say Millbrook is probably, was my all-time favorite. I mean, I also like kind of, I'm an Aquarius, so I like drama of, you know, scatter things happening. And it rained so bad when I was there. They had to haul all of our rigs out with a tractor because we all got stuck. And they postponed the event into the week because it rained so bad we literally couldn't see. Uh, But as far as the scenery and the location and the jumps and the organizers and the crew, there is not a prettier place, in my opinion, to compete than that event that I've been to, at least. Yeah, another good
1: answer. Yeah, very good answer. All right. What is one thing about yourself that most people don't know?
0: One thing about myself that most people probably don't know is that I'm a certified scuba diver. Um, I had a very, very big fear of drowning. And I, at the age of 14, decided that I was going to conquer that fear by becoming a certified scuba diver. And it is one of my absolute favorite things to do. It is, there's nothing like, one, being able to face your fears on that level. Um, you know, drowning, burning to death and public speaking are the most common fears that people have. And, uh, they're so, they can be so strong, those fears that it literally paralyzes you. So the fact that I was able to conquer that and then enjoy something that I would never have been able to enjoy had I not conquered that, um, is pretty cool. And I love, um, I love all wildlife. So to be able to see things in the ocean and underwater that you don't see unless you're watching National Geographic or you're at an aquarium, I think is really cool. So that's one of my favorite things to do. I wish I could do it more. Uh, but yeah, I'm a certified scuba diver, which shocks most people when they, they hear that because I'm a terrible swimmer. <laughs>
1: <That's> a, <laughs> excellent answer. Yeah, cool. that is very cool. All right. So last question, if you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction... Who would it be?
0: Oh, this is the easiest question on the planet. I got to give a shout out to Shanro Cooley, Liz Holliday's seven-year-old. I worked for Liz here and there, um, ride with her as well on occasion, and that horse. I tell you what, if you don't know his name yet, you will. And it's I'm not saying that because he wins everything. That is America's horse. He is absolutely stunning incredibly talented and he is strictly business and i i love that horse the way he is in the barn the way he competes the way he acts at a horse show i love that horse just about as much as i love my own and he is there is something about that horse that is outstandingly spectacular and i think Liz is the exact person for him because she is going to get it done. And with her talent and his talent, that horse will run the American teams when he's old enough. And when he's had the experience, he is one of a kind. Hmm. You have heard to, it here first. Yeah, folks. Yeah.
1: I have to you keep an eye out here. for him. I know, I know the name and I know he does really well, but now I'll really pay attention. Yeah, fantastic. And he's only he seven. Is
0: spectacular. So there we go. What was that? You said he's only seven. He is only seven. And I tell you what, if Liz does a phenomenal job of, of putting the horses first. And um, so obviously she does the same with Dallas. Dallas is his barn name, but um, that horse could have been running advanced two months ago, but obviously Liz, you know, Liz does things very tactfully and she, she wants to make sure he gets the foundation and the education that he deserves to be the horse that he is. Um, But yeah, he's only seven, and the only reason he's he's going to Leon here in a couple weeks, um, but he's there is he he is everything you could ask for in an event horse, and he's sweet on top of that, which is just the icing on the cake. But all of Liz's horses are sweet, but he is he is pretty spectacular.
2: That's awesome. Hmm. That's exciting. Yeah, We've got a little inside scoop on yeah. the, the future star, so, Karen. <laughs> Karen. The, plus, audience,
1: plus. the audience yep. loved the answers. <laughs> wow. Very good. Huge applause. <laughs> Crowd went wild. <laughs> Crowd went wild. <laughs> so Chelsea, do you have any advice for that young rider or amateur trying to make it in the sport?
3: Yeah,
0: I think my advice would be sit down and think about what you want and why you want it. Um, for me, I have, you know, a story that a lot of people have. I'm, I'm you know, not one in a million by any stretch. I mean, it's, there's the country and the world is full of a bunch of kids that don't have a lot of money, but want to do this sport. And you 100% can. Um, but what you have to do is sit down and, and have a real conversation with yourself and say, look, this isn't going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Uh, it's going to be hard, and there's going to be times where you feel like the universe is begging you to stop and quit because you're never gonna you're never gonna get it done. Whether that be because you tell yourself you're not good enough, or you tell yourself you don't have the money, or you tell yourself that your horse isn't good enough. And obviously, you don't want to push yourself or you know your your horse past your limitations. But if you want to be good you will be good. Greatness is, is not something that's born. It's something that's created. And I promise you, there is a professional out there. There is a person out there. There is a barn out there. There is a horse out there for you. You just have to find it. And you've got to be realistic with yourself. And when things don't go your way, my favorite thing to do is I will look at myself in the mirror, whether I'm angry, whether I'm upset, whether I'm absolutely defeated and i'll say you have 30 seconds to feel bad for yourself and i will literally set my timer for 30 seconds (laughs) and after that 30 seconds is up you're done get over it move on pick something else to cry over watch the news and cry about it whatever you want to do do not feel sorry for yourself anymore now you've got to be careful not to make yourself even more of your own worst critic Uh, So because of that, you've got to allow yourself to grieve for whatever it is you felt like you've lost. Um, And take notes. Failure is just an opportunity, another opportunity to win. And they say a winner is a loser that tried one more time. Everybody fails. And it's how you learn to deal with failure that determines whether or not you will be successful.
1: There you go. Mm, Great advice.
2: Excellent, Karen. Yeah. Look at that. Definitely. Definitely. I love it. Very, very cool. You're 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 a very uh very cool person. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> so we'll start winding things down, yeah. Karen. This is super good. This mm-hmm. this this is one of our best interviews of all time. How do uh how do people well I guess I'll start with the sponsors, Karen. Yeah. So let's talk about oh, sponsors, with, yes. supporters, things like that. So how do we who who's behind you there?
0: I have the most amazing group of people behind me, and the cool thing that I have going with my sponsors, which I'm sure a lot of people have this, but 99.9% of my sponsors, I have their personal phone numbers. I can call them and say, I just thought of an idea. And they're like, hold on, let me get my pen and paper. My feed company that sponsors me, uh, the owner of that feed company is a genius. He's a wizard when it comes to nutrition and, and coming up with formulas. And he owns Excel equine um and i can literally call him and say hey i i just thought of an idea could you make this into a feed and i kid you not he will go to the lab and he will figure out whether it's doable and he uh he will call me back and say not going to work it's not going to work because of this or this is going to work because of this if he comes up with a new product he'll call me and say hey this is what we got i'm going to send you something try it tell me what you think my sponsors know me as the girl that is passionate and they, luckily enough, most of my sponsors, um, the ones that have products that are already set in stone, um, you know, that you don't really need much input on that, but if they're coming up with something new, they're like, Hey, Chelsea, what do you think? I love the interactiveness that I have with my sponsors. And that list is Haggerty Quine, Red and Goat Equestrian, uh, Mochara Equestrian, Happy Horse, Flare, nasal strips, TheraPlate, AccuHorseMat. Um, I I don't have a list in front of me. There's so many of them. I can't. Like everybody, anything I use on my horses that's a sponsored product is a product that I have not just taken because it's free. Nupa feed. That is, especially dealing with my horses with behavioral issues. The magnesium and the L-carnitine has more than just, it's not just a calming supplement or an energy supplement. It's a supplement that allows the body to process things the way it's supposed to process things process things. When they get sore, when they get anxious, and that lactic acid builds up in their builds up in their muscles, um, you know, for a horse like mine that was beaten and abused, she's fear she's afraid of her lot for her life, and she was for the for a very long time. So to be able to give them supplements like magnesium that make them feel better, if they're afraid for their life and their body sore and they feel hurt, they're compromised. In their head, they're physically compromised. They won't lay down. They don't want to rest. They don't relax. And when you can help them with a supplement like Nupafeed, it absolutely changes the game. Vitalize is a huge sponsor of mine. They have every single product that they make I use. And I absolutely stand behind them 100%. I would bet every dollar I have earned. If someone came to me and said, will this work? I would bet everything I've ever earned and everything I have on their supplements. They're phenomenal. They have gut health. They have a sweating supplement that's an electrolyte. If you've got a horse with antihydrosis, you give them blazing and I promise you it will, it might not necessarily cure it, but it. It. I have a horse that would pop temperatures of 107. And I mean, we would we would fill his stall with bags of ice because it was so bad. He literally almost died, and he got put on that supplement, and he sweats like a champ now. Um, sister companies of that company are Hyaglow, which is a skincare uh, company, and they have phenomenal products. Skincare is something that a lot of people don't pay attention to because. We're horse people, we're out in dirt all day and we don't think twice about our, our skin. But um, as you get older, you start to see the wrinkles and the sunspots and all of that stuff and, and you realize how important it is to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I use Hyoglow, their whole system, all of their products every single day, Baxil, um, joint health, gut health. Um, it's the same, essentially the same formula that they have in their their horse supplements Trixon is their dog version. Um, it, phenomenal, phenomenal companies that they keep me running. Mochara is a is a really cool brand. If you haven't heard of it, you should check it out. It's a clothing company based in the UK. Um, the their owner and founder, her name is Tara. She has a passion for riding, but she also loves designing clothes and she also is an avid workout person fitness person so she created the the idea of being able to ride and then go to the gym and not have to change your clothes so they came up with a riding tight um that looks like leggings but they're riding tights um and they do not slip they're they do not roll down you can work out in them they're squat proof um and they have Beautiful clothing, base layers. They have loungewear sets. Uh, they just came out with a riding breech for like competitions. Um, but they just they just opened in in America a couple years ago. And talk about a great company that you want to support. That company is they're so involved. They love the company and everything it stands for because it's their baby. And uh, it's another reason I love the sponsors that I have is because every sponsor I have is absolutely 100% backed and they back their product. Their their company backs them and they back their company and all of their employees, whether it's a coffee boy or the owner of the company, everybody supports the, the product that they're selling. And that's how you know you're dealing with companies that have good products is when the people that sell the product use the product.
2: Heck yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Lineup. Yeah, sure. Very, is. Cool. Very yes, cool. Some yes. cool brands. Thanks for you gave us some education there too and some really mm-hmm. cool stuff. So that's yeah. awesome for the listeners that might hear some they have some issues. Stanley decided he wanted to come up and sit on that third and right at the at, last thing, how do people follow along? And um, I know your Instagram also has the link to to the voting f- uh for the Miss Stars and Stripes. So how do people follow along? Your your social, uh your website, all that good stuff.
0: So my website is Dauntless Performance and my Instagram. I have Dauntless Performance Horses Instagram and then Chelsea Coleman. uh, Same as Facebook. Um, You can check in on the social media. We try and keep it pretty updated. So there's a link for the Miss Stars and Stripes on my personal Facebook and my personal Instagram. And um, my business Instagram Instagram. And business Facebook are all turned on. So anytime anybody has a question, comment, concern, more than welcome to shoot me a message, and we respond fairly quickly, usually same day. Um, And yeah, it's it's. I always just want to be. I can be an ear to listen. I can be a a tool, um, you know, in your step to get where you're going. Uh, Whatever you need, Um, people. People just need to know that, you know, there's there's people out there that are willing to help you and, and they don't expect anything in return. It's nice it's nice to be appreciated, but honestly, um, my goal is just to, to help these horses and first and people second. Um, I, I'm an advocate for the horse and if if you're having issues with communication, training issues, trailering issues, pasture issues any of those issues i'm here to help
2: very cool awesome i I have a feeling the phone's gonna be ringing so we're gonna have some (laughs) everyone needs that type of stuff uh well karen was this fantastic this was
1: awesome
2: this this interview was fantastic you really shared a lot of really great stuff stuff we didn't know we were going to go down thank you very very important and um that's what makes this so 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 rewarding to do karen talk to people and learn new things and And, um, so Chelsea, so we're, thank you for everything you're doing for the horses and the animals that you're rescuing Mm -hmm. and, um, everyone get out there and vote, right? Yeah. Vote, 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 vote. So we'll share that stuff and, uh, best of luck. And hopefully, hopefully you win and and, uh, best of luck at getting back to the advanced levels and, and, uh, and really kicking butt again.
0: No, thank you. And thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and let me tell my story. Please
1: like and follow Major League Eventing on Facebook and Instagram and join the Major League Eventers group on Facebook.